The original purpose of the page was focused on getting out of the military. And then I very quickly realized how many resources are out there. And instead of trying to become another nonprofit, I could direct people to all the resources that I found. Everything you might have a question about getting out of the military, there's somebody that's doing it. And so it changed. Is that much of a, is that, that's not much of a change for you, right? My name is Kerry Kite. I used to load bombs in the Air Force, and now I'm a writer, a filmmaker, and an entrepreneur. Through using the post 9-11 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian. And that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists and entrepreneurs about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 66 features former U.S. Air Force Weapons System Officer and current Air National Guard TACP Officer, Joey Brown. He goes by Not Another Average Joe on Instagram and builds software solutions for digital entrepreneurs. Welcome. This is Veteran Made. All right, we are good to go. Good afternoon. Not Another Average Joe. Welcome to Veteran Made. Hey, welcome. Excited to be here. Oh man, I'm excited to uh, excited to have you. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while. You just had a baby, second one, everything yep. going great? Yeah, she's doing great. She's uh, eating like six month old, but she's only a couple months old. So. Awesome. That sounds like, uh, sounds like a little girl that I know that lives in this house um, as well. So uh, awesome, man. Super stoked to have you. For, for those who, who don't know who you are, if you could give us just a brief primer on on uh, where and when you served, and then we'll kind of jump into some transition specifics from there. Yeah, certainly. So uh, my name is Joey Brown. Uh, go by Not Another Average Joe, uh, main, mainly on Instagram. I was in the Air Force for uh, active duty for seven years, and I was F-15 uh, Wizzo, so uh, dropped the bombs that carry loaded. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so I did that for uh, primary time, was spent at Pensacola uh, for flight training, then I, I spent my entire um, rest of my time at Seymour, uh, two deployments, uh, to the Middle East and then came home from that second deployment, had the first kid and, uh, or he was born before that second deployment and I was ready to do something a little different with uh, my life. So, uh, decided to get out, got out, <laughs> which we might get into a little bit of this later, but got out right in, um, March of 2020, right at the start of COVID. So had an interesting transition period there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, you were so yeah, for those, this is like quite the this is the cool, a cool episode for me, because because while we didn't serve together during the same time frame, obviously, I, I loaded the bombs on the flight line. And, and you're the ones the one who, who dropped them uh, from the backseat of of, uh, of our, I guess I could say our favorite airframe, um, the F-15 E model. So uh, it's uh, pretty fun to, uh, to be having this conversation. And it's pretty funny, too, because I think we're relatively the same age and I still kind of have that residual, I'm speaking to an officer, I'm speaking to somebody who I'm setting up their jet, you know what I mean? And so it's, yeah. it's I've had that experience a couple of times. I've, I've had officers, you know, West Point grads, and Annapolis grads and other people on the podcast where I'm like, oh man, um, you know, I, I know that like I'm in my thirties now and I've been out for a while and I'm a, a seasoned professional on the, you know on the, in the civilian front, but I still kind of have that, that feeling, that pull of like, oh, this is a person who's significantly outranks me. So this is, this is a fun one, uh, fun one for me. So I appreciate you playing along. Yeah, certainly. I'd love to actually start with transitioning out of the military, out of the air force and directly into COVID. It's actually not something that has been covered here before. And obviously it's something that has significantly informed the way a lot of us live and work. 
Um, you know, I started this podcast during COVID, um, and you know, my career, my civilian career changed drastically during, uh, COVID and has since, you know, Zach Bell and I talked about this, like COVID was a blessing to me and my family because we got to spend more time together. Our daughter was born in February of 2020. So my wife was on maternity leave. Um, I had started a new job and then we were able to just work from home and be with each other and be with Isla. Uh, as, as she kind of grew through that first year. And so for me, like I, I look back at COVID and I'm, I'm weirdly grateful for, for some of those things that have, that have happened um, again, not to dismiss uh, any of the challenges that other people experienced, but um, so, yeah, it's been like really great for me. So I'd love to hear what was it like, what were the rumblings like in, I mean, I was on Reddit in like November, you know, of 2019. I'm like, oh, this is something that's coming down and it's kind of weird, you know, but what was the rumblings like? And then did that affect or inform your transition? Like, and just kind of walk us through what was going on in the military and the Air Force and, and you at that time and, and, and transitioning out. Yeah. So I had been trying to get out for a little while. I did what's called the Palace Chase program. So for those who don't know, it's uh, you're able to transition a portion of your uh, service commitment from active duty to the guard. And so I was kind of like waiting on that to get approved. Uh, that got approved actually, actually the same day that, that that got approved. I found out I was deploying for the second time. So I uh, deployed for three months, came home for three months and then got out. So it's like very quick. I, I honestly wasn't even, you know, hearing some of the stuff about like COVID and yacht because I was so focused on, um, you know, like finding a job and just like getting everything. The the blessing that we had was I knew where we we're going to live. Um, we, we moved back to where, uh, near where my uh, wife's family's from. And so we already had like, you know, a place to stay. We didn't have to, we only had to worry about the, the job part for me, which was, you know, a, certainly a blessing. And um, yeah, so, you know, made that switch uh, to the guard at the same time, you know, got out and I actually ended up working for a company. I still work for them. Um, full-time that does uh, like defense acquisition work. Uh, and the position was remote with travel. Uh, so that it, it turned into just remote with no travel. Uh, so really a blessing, you know, uh, in disguise at the time. I didn't know, but yeah, I, I joined uh, the company, took my first trip uh, out to California in uh, March. And then it was like, that was when all the international travel was shutting down. I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, do I have to rent a car to drive home <laughs> coast to coast? Uh, all this kind of stuff because we still live, live in North Carolina and it was like, you know, a lot of uncertainty. Um, but uh, having that, you know, work out and then, you know, the addition of the guard, that that was a very weird time to be in the National Guard. I didn't meet my unit for like everyone at my unit probably for like two years because I was just meeting a handful of people at a time, you know, uh, and it was like sporadic on and off drills. We weren't sure like what you could go to and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was definitely a lot of turmoil, like, you know, in the professional sense, but at, in our home life, it was, it was really good. What, uh, I guess the sidebar, what guard unit has e-models? They don't. So I switched. Yeah. So I don't fly anymore. I switched to being a, a TACP officer. Oh, okay. Got it. Cool. And are you still in the guard now? Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that. Um, so grabbing that first, um, defense contractor job. Is that something that you were pursuing? Um, and w like, was that kind of part of, part of the plan, um, to, to establish a, 
kind of day-to-day career and then look to, and we're getting a little bit ahead, but to look to kind of launch your own online side business to eventually scale that? Or was it something you fell into? Like how intentional was your approach there in terms of, in terms of grabbing that first job out of active duty? Uh, so it definitely wasn't intentional. I was super burned out. I was like very frustrated. I remember very distinctly, like I was on the commander's staff and uh, before I got out and I had a, a meeting where he was stood up and he wasn't talking to me directly, but it felt like he was, he was just like, if you don't, if you just want to make widgets in a widget factory all day, like you need to get out of the military. And I was like, yes, like, I don't care what I do. I don't care about fulfillment in my job. I just want to do something else, um, which is the wrong approach uh, for sure. And, you know, looking back, I have that perspective to see that now, but at the time, yeah, I was just applying to a ton of jobs, interviewing to a ton of jobs. And then it worked out that through my network, um, somebody who was in my squadron knew the guy that, that started this company and, got me, you know, on for an interview. They happened to be a relatively young company just starting out. And since then, you know, we've grown significantly. So worked out. What, what was, and you said this was your seven year mark active duty. Yep. Seven year active. What, what, what was going on in your, in your mind and like in your heart that kind of had you at that spot where, where you wanted to get out? What was it? Do you think? Um, so I, I, I joined, unlike a lot of folks, or maybe not, not a lot of folks now that you have talked to more people, but I didn't think I was going to do this for life. I didn't really know how long I was going to do this for. Um, I was, you know, like a lot of people in our age group, I guess I, you know, I joined right after September 11th. I wanted to go to combat. I wanted to deploy. Uh, I got the opportunity to do that. Um, and I was kind of, of over it. Like my first year, I did the math or it was like, whatever, before my first deployment, I was TDY for six months of that year. And then I was gone for seven months and then I came home, you know, and it was like the same calendar, almost the same calendar year, or maybe not something like that. It was like less than 365 days. We're deploying again. And, you know, now I have a kid at home and I was like, this is just not what I wanted to do. And there was some frustrations as well with like, you know, I wanted to go to the guard and there was basically, you know, they weren't letting me out of my uh, career because it was undermanned surprise. And uh, they were, you know, there was frustration there because it was like, well, I'm trying to stay in the total force and like, I want to contribute. I want to, you know, still support the Air Force just in a different role. Like, why, why can't logically I do that? And then, you know, I understand from the bureaucratic standpoint of like losing this job to this job, you know, looks bad still. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, one thing that I've noticed, and it's more of kind of a retroactive application of this logic for me personally, but as I talk to more people and more guests on this platform and and in DMs and, and other things, um, it seems like when, when I enlisted in 2006, right out of high school, I didn't realize that a four-year um, stint or career, whatever you want to call it in the Air Force, would actually be such a great launching pad for me professionally and and personally, frankly, after I got out, which might sound weird and obvious now on the other side, looking back. And, and even for those that that are in now or, or did the same thing, but it just wasn't intentional for me to think about it that way. Yes, I enlisted, you know, partly out of patriotic duty, having, you know, um, 9-11 happened when I was in eighth grade. And so that four years of high school was something that we, you know, kind of lived with the, um, 
the geopolitics of it all. And I wanted to go be involved. It was partly that. And it was partly that the college thing wasn't really going to work out for me. And it was partly that I wanted to get some kind of financial independence and interdependence from my family. But it was all three of those things coalescing around each other. There wasn't the intention of, hey, I'm going to go serve for four years, build a foundation of skills that I can then translate and use for the rest of my life. That's just kind of what happened. Yeah. As I've gone through this project with the podcast, I realized that if more people thought about it that way, that's why I asked you the question, because if more people thought about it that way, I hope more people start to think about it that way. You don't need to do a 20-year a, a career and retire so that you can have that foundation, you know, whether it's financial or medical or whatever. You can actually go do four to eight, you know, officer enlisted, whatever, go build those skills and then build those things while you're in the military and take it and 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 use it as a springboard. And, I'm, and again, it might sound obvious to those listening, but I hope people are nodding along saying, oh, yeah, that's right. There, there can be some intention. So I hope both of us are able to kind of provide a almost a, a negative anecdote in that way to, to show that, hey, there's a way for those that are coming after us to do it. Does that make sense yeah, at all? It does. And that's actually a super important point. So I'm glad you brought it up because I had some of like, I you know, my last couple of years, I started to see some of that. I remember a, a guy that he separated and went to the guard, uh, like back through pilot training. He was a wizard to go fly uh, sea models in the guard. And he was saying like, at some point, you know, you're going to take the uniform off, right? Like it, whether that's 20 years from now or a year from now, and like you need to have something like a plan after that, there's, there's going to be more to your life. Even if you do 20 years, there's going to be more to your life than, than this. And there, you know, you need to start thinking about that while you're still in. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I had ideas, but I didn't put pen to paper really until I was already committed to getting out. And, and it was, you know, like I said, worked out. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, last week's episode, but today I recorded it this morning. Uh, you know, we, the, Eric Bartell and I talked, talked about that. Like just, you can't wait to start. And, and, you know, you probably shouldn't be thinking about that when you're in basic training or when you're in basic officer training, you know, whatever it might be. But like right after that, you should be thinking about, okay, like what am I going to be doing intentionally with the rest of my life? And I think that also applies from a, from a citizenship standpoint as well. Something my wife and I've been talking about around the house recently is like just being an engaged citizen of this country and being an engaged person who's participating actively in the military or, you know, in the community or in the economy or in these things, instead of just letting all of these things happen to you and knowing that there might be something, there will be something after your service, whether that's four, eight, 10 or 20, like intentionally engage in that process, live that way and work that way so that you can actually pivot easier because you are thinking in ways that have you attuned to opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like that's what part of what you're doing with, with your online business is helping people to, you're helping to remove some, uh, remove, uh, I guess some work for people that you can take on for them so that they can be thinking about these things. When did you start to think, okay, I've got this career, I've got this job, I'm in the guard, and now I want to build something else and work on the side? Was it a side hustle initially or was it, hey, now that I'm here and I have this foundation um, of income and stability through military service and and this job, I can I can take this and scale something else? Or was it a third option? 
it was kind of a third, a weird third. So the the whole brand actually started. I originally was called myself another average Joe, and it was meant to be sly, but it was like too way too subtle, right? People didn't get it. Um, but that, classic, that, classic yeah. officer, classic. Yeah, I know, but the that was the original purpose of the page was like you know focused on getting out of the military, and then I I very quickly realized how many resources are out there. And instead of trying to become like another nonprofit or I just didn't feel like I needed to go all in on that, I could direct people to all the resources that I found. Cause that's why I started. It was like find these resources. And I realized I was like, man, every, every specific thing you might have a question about getting out of the military, there's somebody that's arguing it. They might not be that well known, but there's somebody that's doing it. And so that's, it kind of changed. And then, you know, over time it was like, well, that's not really a business, right? It's just a social media page that can, you know, it is networking connection, that kind of thing, but it's not like a, a business. And so I'd kind of started on this, you know, self-improvement personal development path for a couple of years and was like, well, what would I want to help people, you know, do? And, and for me, the, the biggest thing that I'm after, um, you know, I, I call it time freedom. I've heard it called a bunch of different things. Right. But it's like, you know, I don't want money for the sake of money. I want the ability to just, just decide what to do with my time which is, you know, something a lot of people can't, right? Like I can't, you know, they can't go somewhere or they can't do this thing because they have to, they have to provide or, or whatever it is. And I, you know, I listened to all those kind of podcast influences and that's kind of what led me to that direction of like, okay, let's take the self-improvement, you know, combine it. And then uh, that was the kind of beginnings of what, you know, what can I provide and how can I help people? Okay, that makes sense. And before diving into that, but I'm I'm curious, what was the initial spark of I want to start something else on the side? That first spark to try to connect people to their resources was it intention to scale a business, intention to generate potential uh, supplemental revenue and income, or what? What was the? And obviously, this is still ongoing, right? So yeah. it's like, but I'm just so I'm just curious. So. Yeah. So I'll say the initial spark, you know, when I was like trying to put the resources together was to just speed the process up. And I'm trying to think of a better way to articulate it, but essentially like prevent other people from making the same mistakes that I made because it was, you know, a few months into COVID that I realized like I just left the military, the whole world, you know, changed the job landscape has changed. Like it could have gone way worse for me getting out of the military than it did but it didn't. And so I like, I'm responsible or I felt responsible to like help other people not, you know, not make the same mistakes. So. Yeah. Okay. So I, I thought that might be it. And I think that is important because I've heard it said that entrepreneurs should start by solving a problem for themselves first and they can scale it and then help solve problems for others. Uh, you have a similar had a similar experience and thought pattern that I did, which is weirdly almost the opposite of that. Like for me, this project started because I actually, I did really well and I Scooby-Dooed my way into the industry that I'm in now producing ad campaigns. And I really don't know how I did it. I just got really lucky. And I knew there were probably other flight line guys and gals or infantry folks or finance folks or like whatever. And you pick your MOS, AFSC or rating that wanted to go do something different. And I somehow figured out how to do it. So my goal with this project was how do I, how do I reverse engineer 
how lucky I got to then help provide a repository of, of anecdotal content for, for people to kind of follow along. Right. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened to you as well. Or am I, am I hearing it incorrectly? No, that, that's fair. It, more, yours was more like, cause there's two parts of motivation, right? It, or this is what it sounds like. Yours is the more like pushing to, and mine was the running away from, right? right. You need both, both yeah. aspects. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They feed each other and they, they, they help fuel, uh, you as a, as a human. Right. And, and, and I guess back to the, not necessarily feeling fulfilled anymore in a a military career is like, I, I think it's really important for people to realize that a that's normal and B it's okay. Right. It's okay to enlist or commission for certain reasons to fulfill those reasons and then move on and walk away from that portion of your life personally or professionally, relationally, whatever it might be. And I, I just don't want that to go unsaid because I, I think I don't want us to gloss over that. I think it's an important thing for, for people to hear and be reminded of. Cause I know there's people out there right now that are listening. that are like, Oh man, I'd kind of like to get out and do something different, but I feel the pull for X, Y, Z reason. And you have to do that calculus for yourself to determine whether those reasons are good or not, but it's okay to have those feelings and those reasons. Yep, certainly. And I mean, you know, look at me, I, I went to the guard, you know, partly because of Val's chase, but I'm, you know, beyond that commitment, uh, you know, I'm still enjoying it and I'm approaching it from a different perspective than I joined active duty to say, Hey, I, I'm going to do this. And, and I don't feel bad, uh, you know, about getting out if it's not what I want to do anymore. You know, yeah. um, I don't have that, that like looming thought over my, my brain about yeah. it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the other important thing, and maybe we can take the conversation in this direction and start here, is you were specific enough with a need you were trying to solve, but you were open-minded enough that as you started to uh, attack that problem, you saw those solutions were already there. And so you were already open and ready to pivot to a different way of approaching that. How difficult was that for you to realize and like what actions did you take? What mindset did you have and what actions did you take to pivot to what you've eventually landed on now? Yeah. So some of, you know, I, it, you, people want to hear that it's all this like grand design and it, it wasn't right. And I think that's important because you hit on something in the beginning that I started, you know, one way I started my first website and blog, uh, to like, you know, start putting these resources together. I didn't have anything built. So I, I was listening to, at the time it was called Spartan Up Podcast. I think he's renamed it. Uh, but Joe DeSena, the founder of Spartan Race. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a phrase that he, I think still uses where he said, ready, fire, aim. And so, you know, they talked about like people that entered the death race back in the day would have to put a news article up in their local paper saying they were going to do it. So I, I made a, a social, I made an Instagram, a Facebook and a, a LinkedIn. And I said, here, you know, I'm, publishing a blog on this date and I didn't have a, a website made much less a blog written. Um, and so that's how I got started. And so I've, I kind of kept that same approach where it's like, I'm just gonna, you know, when, whenever the pivot decision comes, I'm just going to pivot. And then I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to do it because I think, and, and lately I've been listening to a lot of, uh, Alex Ramosi stuff. Um, you know, it, you just need to be directionally correct and get started because you're not going to have everything figured out. Like, you know, I went from, you know, help thinking about helping veterans as they're transitioning out um, to, you know, now doing essentially uh, software <laughs> sales, right? Um, 
as a, as a side business. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely taken a few turns. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 very easy to get frozen in thought and to get frozen in analysis. You know, analysis paralysis is the phrase that you know went around in the early aughts, late nineties when I was a kid. Um, but the fundamentals are so true that if you're not moving um, and you're thinking only, then you're you're only engaging like one part of your brain and you're over engaging that part of your brain. But if you're moving, then you're probably doing a little bit less thinking. And so the thoughts that do come are going to be more valuable because they're going to be way less concentrated, more fluid, more open. And like, you'll be in uh, a more optional mindset, which is good as you're initiating and starting a venture, whatever it might be. I mean, this podcast is a great example. I had the idea for this podcast at the beginning of COVID, waited until November of that year to record the first episode, waited another eight weeks to record the next episode, waited another six weeks to record the third episode, waited another four, you know, and it slowly, slowly got to the week by week cadence. And it was only at the end of last year, 2022, where I set the goal of one episode a week for 2023. And I kind of hit my head, you know, and I was like, Dude, you could have set this goal when you first started. And yeah, you may have missed some of those milestones because you didn't have the connections via IG or LinkedIn or whatever it might be to get guests. But at least you would have been going, 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 going and moving instead of just thinking. But every time I sat down to think, oh, man, who's the next guest going to be? Is anybody, It's like, dude, you're, you're toast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. And, and that's the thing. Like, you need to commit. You know, obviously, you have to set a goal. Um, but then... I, the way I look at it is I'm going to commit to something for a prolonged period of time. I'm, you know, I'm willing to, to look at this and say, okay, I'm not going to see, you know, the, the result I want in the next, you know, month or two. Now, obviously, you know, I want to make progress and you got to measure like certain things, but you know, if you can commit to the long term, I think that's really, and I was like, I'm going to, you know, try to make content and help people for the long term. So yeah, it's a, that's a great way to, to move forward. So what kind of iterations did you go through um, to kind of eventually land on on what you're scaling now? Yeah, so I kind of went from there, turned it to a personal development page. I, I got into a phase where I was looking at like doing uh, coaching. I hate it. I hate the term life coach. So I like I can't that just bothers me. So I kind of went like mindset, personal development route, you know, flu fighter jets, cool guy, all that stuff. And um I actually got on, I got on a call with somebody uh, and he was like, yeah, you know, like I don't, it, it was very uh, like, uh, great uh, kind of like blunt feedback. He was like, I don't see how this helps people in their health, wealth, or relationships. And he was like, you really just need to like focus on one of those things. And I was like, okay, I decided to just kind of eliminate, um, ver- you know, variables. Like I don't want to help people uh, in the relationships of like, I don't want to coach people <laughs> in that aspect. I you know, I didn't necessarily want to get into the like health coaching space. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, you know, wealth building, you know, I'm after that kind of aspect as well. So that's kind of what, where it led me in that direction. So, yeah, I think like success, finding success through attrition is so undervalued. Um, hold on one second. I'm going to cut this part out. Give me one second. Hey, come here. You're coming with me.
my wife went to grab my daughter. Uh, and so the dogs are left unattended with nobody to um, tell them to be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. All right, jumping back in here. Um, I think success through attrition is so undervalued because it is something that most people are scared of. They're, mo- they're, they're very scared to, we, I should say we, because I fall into this category sometimes too. We are very scared to say either I'm not good at that aspect or I'm not needed in that arena. And those are actually really, really valuable things to learn because why would you want to go pursue something you're not good at? And why would you want to compete in an arena that you're not needed in? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help you and it's not going to help your your customers. Yeah. And so this brings up a couple of interesting points. The, so the first one was, you know, you, you got to do something. Obviously, there needs to be some, like, you know, it, you, you have to have some level of ability to do it or ability to learn to do it. But well, if, you know, a lot of people take things personally and that, and that you know, tie back to my background, like, the, the fighter pilot debrief, like you learn not to take things personally or you're not going to make it through the training. Like that, it is what it is, right? They're going to tell you some stuff. You're not going to want to hear it. But it, at the end of the day, it's not about you. Like as a person, it's about the performance. And so if you, you know, can separate those two, then that that's the first thing that I think holds people up in, in making, you know, being, being willing to make those decisions. It's like, okay, you're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to get feedback whether you want it or not. You should want it. And then you shouldn't let the feedback come across as a personal attack. Right. And if you're thinking along these lines, then you're, it's not just being passively, and I've actually never thought about it this way. I'm trying on precise and see if it's right. It's not just passively open to feedback. It's actively engaging in feedback. So looking for that attrition, looking for those opportunities to trim your own personal fat, especially when you're, if it's a team environment, whether it's a fighter squadron or a weapons load crew, uh, or, you know, uh, 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 you know, one of the special forces, you know, special operations teams, like, you know, whatever it might be, like you should actually be looking to offload your, um, disabilities is the wrong word, but like your inabilities in certain things so that you can take on the responsibilities that you, that you should have. And that's kind of how it, how a team works, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you're really good at this. You have this subject matter that you're an expert in. I'm really good at this. I have this subject matter that I'm an expert in. There's some crossover because things happen, but really for the most part, if we're actively engaging in the feedback that we're receiving to say, Oh, yep, that's right. Let, that should go over here so that I can take on more of this. It's, it's less about that passive being open to receiving feedback and that kind of active engagement in that process to say, Oh, okay. How does this actually fit into my, my day-to-day operations? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I, you know, kind of did starting out was like, okay, you know, I, I put an offer together. You can go back. It's probably still on, on Instagram, like, you know, mindset coaching thing. And, and, you know, I got feedback, right? Like people didn't want it for whatever reason, right? Like it doesn't really matter the reason um, to me. Uh, you know, and so then I started to look, you know, to kind of get back to the, the whole pivot. It was like, well, I, at the time I was using a software to kind of run my websites, automation, uh, email, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I, one, I just enjoy the software as like from a you know nerd perspective, I, I enjoy it. And then two, it's like, okay, obviously there's other people that use this software. Like 
you know, it could help those that are actually, you know, have coaching offers, run some kind of online, you know, service-based business. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at now, roughly. And when, when you said that, uh, when you said like, it didn't matter to you, like how, how true is that? Like, was it difficult to receive any of that feedback? So I, it, it was a little difficult at first, but the guy, the, the, the guy I got the feedback from was like, you know, I don't see how this would solve my problem. And he, he, you know, he wasn't like a potential client. He was actually somebody like who runs a, a coaching company and, and all this stuff. And he was just saying like, you know, if, if you're going to go the coaching route, like you need to tie it back to something that people are willing to invest in. And he was like, you know, it was, it was actually good. To, it was good to hear. Right. Cause he was like, nobody, I mean, not that nobody cares, but like, just the fact that you flew fighter jets or just the fact that you have this background and, and mindset, personal development, yada, yada, like doesn't matter if you can't explain to somebody how it's going to help them. Right. Like it doesn't really matter. It, it sounds cool, but it doesn't, it, it, you know, it's cool to you, not to them. <laughs> yeah. That's a super difficult truth for, uh, for, for people to hear. Um, and you know, it's, that's hard, but it, it's true. If, if you can't, if you can't, communicate and scale your experiences for others. Uh, you really shouldn't be coaching them on how to do the things either like to do the things you were actually doing, whether that's, you know, flying or flying jets or, or, um, you know, using it as an analogy for something else. Like that's, that, that's a skill. Communication is a skill. Um, active listening and, and verbal communication is a skill. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's why there's, you know, there's English composition and English literature. There's the intake and there's the output, you know, it's like it, both, both things have to be present for somebody to be able to function in a, in a capacity like that. Um, so how, so now that you've settled into your approach and what it is that you're offering, um, how is it going? Uh, I think, I mean, I think it's going well, you know, I, so there's two kind of two parts to this. So I've been using the software, um, I, I, even then I still told myself, right. Like I fell into the trap. I was like, okay, well I had this software. Uh, I, you know, I used it kind of like manage my stuff and run my website. I like, I was like, can I really like sell this service, like services to other people? Like who would, who would buy this? Right. And so I, I was like, well, I just need to, I just need some more time thinking about it and like learning about it. And then it, it, I was like, what am I doing? You know, I spent a few months of, of that. And by the time I actually committed to like, reselling and kind of doing launching the what I call the wonder system which is you know I just I just picked and went with it so like I, I spent too much time uh, thinking again right like kind of getting stuck in that trap of like well like all the possibilities because I was like okay I'm not doing this I think I want to do this but I didn't really commit to it again until finally I did I did commit I bought like the the agency license or whatever for the software uh, and so at that point like I'm you know losing money right <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I'm committed in that sense. Um, and, and that was really, uh, what enabled me to kind of like get those first couple of clients. So, and, um, how did, like, how did you land on your, your outbound, um, sales approach or was it inbound to start? Like what, and what, what does it look like now in terms of, uh, in terms of, of sales? Like how, how have you been executing on that? Yeah. So it was outbound. I just used my network cause I, I built up the social media account and I was like, you know, just statistically, like some of my followers have to, to, you know, kind of fit this need. I had a, a few, you know, people I, I 
had met from the veteran community. Um, but my actual first two clients ended up being, like I said, one person that I knew uh, who's a veteran. And then actually it was a local business. I just literally like saw a problem. Like it was a place that we go and eat at. And I, I went to go look at their website, the menu to order. And the website didn't work. And I just messaged him on Facebook and I was like, hey, man, just so you know, like your website doesn't work. And he was like, yeah, I know. It turned out he had some kind of problem where it, the, the guy just shut his website down. The, the guy that whoever he was paying before just shut it down. Uh, still doesn't have that domain access or anything back. But yeah, he, he called me the next week and was like, you know, come to the restaurant and tell me about what it is you do. And that was that was how I got my first client. So saw a problem and jumped on it. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. So what, what does your like client base look like now? Like what's the makeup of, 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 um, you know, your roster of existing clients and then, and then your, your, your new ones. Yeah. So it's a mix. I got a couple local businesses, mostly, uh, online now, and that's kind of where I'm trying to, uh, to shift to, I would say there's, there's two aspects, right? So when you talk about like, you know, need to find, uh, this, this purpose, I actually am trying to get like much more involved in my local community. It's you know important to me. I'm involved in my uh, local church a lot more than I was, um, and so like I'm doing that, you know, uh, outreach kind of myself, right? Like obviously, you know, locally, I'm not going to go have someone do that for me. Um, right. But then in the online side of things, I see that as kind of like the long term, where I want to grow um, this bigger kind of like almost a SaaS like approach where, you know, I want to reach a lot more people. I would say like, you know, solo entrepreneurs, like the small online businesses that are looking because I was, you know, it, I was trying to think of like, how, how would you explain this in one sentence? Right. And it's like, I want to make, you know, the access to the, the, the tech as easy as possible. And I want to try and like remove, remove the headaches, obviously, if you're setting up technology, there's going to be like some, you know, learning pains. And obviously there's a, a ton of different software options out there at the end, at the end of the day. But if I could just help a few people in, in my niche, and that's one of the other things too, is like, you know, in order to, to meet my vision, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to become like a billionaire or anything, you know, so like in order to meet my vision, I don't need to capture a large percentage of the market even realistically. And so I just need to help the people who, you know, I'm kind of most aligned with and, and, and grow from there. So in terms of your like day to day, how do you split up between this venture, between your day job? And then I don't really even know what, what the guard um, responsibilities are for a TACP officer. So, yeah, so <laughs> I um, obviously, you know, day job's got to be the priority right now. Um, and, and that's the other thing that I, I really like my day job too. So, I, you know, I, I enjoy both things uh, that I get to do, which which certainly helps. Um, I will admit uh, that I do less. I kind of do the minimum required for the guard. Um, that's probably will be you know one of the things that drops off um, eventually because you can only you know you can only do so much. Um, and then really, I mean, I I think about it this way because again, I'm I'm like I'm like really deep into this, listening to all Alex Ramosi stuff. And so, you know, you've seen some of my posts too, they're, they're like this, you know, very hardcore motivational, like I'm just, you just have to be willing to make it happen. Right. Cause you can't say, Oh, I work full-time job, so I can't do this or it'll be true, you know? And it's like, 
I just have to make the time to do the things that are important to me. I don't do a lot of other things. And some people will say, oh, you know, are you not enjoying, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, I actually enjoy this a lot. I enjoy, you know, making tweaks and finding out how to make the software better or, you know, getting a new client's website up and like fixing, you know, as I find things, like, oh, I didn't notice this before and I fix it or whatever. Like that to me, um, I don't know, I enjoy it. So I don't see it as, I mean, it obviously is work. Some days you're like, I don't, you know, I don't want to do this. But at the end of the day, like you just, you just make it, I don't know. To me, I just make it happen. I have that attitude, I guess, about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's interesting because it's a good place to be to feel like you enjoy both things most of the time. Um, there's a lot of people that don't enjoy their day job and are grinding to, to use that second opportunity to scale something else and turn it into another career or whatever it might be, whether it's being an entrepreneur and actually scaling a business or being, you know, a freelance creative or a freelance, whatever, and trying to get more into that rotation to get more of those opportunities. So that's where your revenue and, and income falls into place. But the the fundamental truth still still stands, which is you, you have to be willing to do both while you have to. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, like I've heard before is talking about like a season of your life. You know, it's not saying I'm going to do this forever. I'm not going to, you know, and, and, and in fact, that's the point, right? Like if I, I know if I put this effort and sacrifice in now, I won't have to do this later, right? That's the whole reason behind it. Whereas if you don't, you know, because one of the, the ways that I thought was very interesting, we were talking about this the other day, my wife and I was like, my worst case scenario is to retire at 65. Like that's most people's plan. And so if that's my worst case scenario, like that's pretty good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. And I think the seasons, especially now as we've, as we've transitioned into an economy that's, you know, very digital and there's like micro economies, there's multi, you know, there's all, all these different ways that we function as, as human consumers of, of, of content or goods or services or whatever it might be like the, I've told, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but I, I remember my dad, one of my dad's main clients was Ernst and Young. And so growing up uh, as a kid, like I've known all these people from Ernst and Young, you know, for I'm 35 now. Right. And so uh, I've known some of these people for, you know, 32 years, as, like, as long as I've been able to like be awake. Um, and I remember when I first connected with on LinkedIn with one of those guys that, that I remember, uh, you know, he had one entry, he had two entries. He had, he went to Clemson, unfortunately for, for him. Uh, and then he had, and then he had, um, Ernst Young, 34 years, like whatever it was. I'm like, man, I just, I remember it hitting me because I had, you know, 10 different things on my LinkedIn at that point. Cause I'd freelance so much and I jumped around from production company to ad agency to all these different things. And, and I remember thinking to myself, like, man, a lot has changed in the last 30 years to the way that we approach life and work. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is the way that we do things now. And so I think what you said about about observing and using a framework of seasons is really important because it can help with the overwhelm of, well, I'm going to have to do this till I'm 65 or I'm going to have to go do, well, actually you get to jump around and, and do things in different seasons of your life. And it, and it actually helps you on the personal development side of things as well, because you're able to look back and you're able to look back at each season and unpack it for what it, 
was and how it fit into the whole, instead of just looking back at your life as a whole and like trying to journal through or parse through however you approach that for yourself, parse through those things like the seasons actually provide those frameworks for you to kind of observe and report on yourself if you're so inclined. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important too, because it was like, I remember leaving the military. I said, well, I'll never do something like this great again. And at first I thought like, okay, you know, like I I almost took it in like a good way, like a sense of pride. Like I accomplished so much. It's so young and I'll never be able to top. And then now I look at that. I'm like, that's a terrible way to think about it. Like that set me up for failure. You know, like if I, if I am 50 or 60 years old and I'm like, Oh, my greatest, my greatest year of my life was when I was 26 and deployed. Like, God, that would be terrible. Yeah. You know? And if you hear this, I hope it's a wake up call. Right. Like, yeah. You, totally. When you get out, you should be striving to do other things. No, am I, you know, going to go like the fly fighter jet combat again? Probably never, right? Hopefully not. Uh, um, yeah, if we, if we need you to things. fly a fighter jet combat, we're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> a little knocking a little rust off, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's like what other things can give me that sense of accomplishment at that high of a level? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's it's and it's true for anybody, right? Whether it's like your high school football days or your employee of the month or employee of the year, like whatever it is, like that's a wasted life if you're looking back on that thing. And I had the same experience where I enlisted to be to be a PJ and I, I went through pararescue and doc and went through all those things. And and I, you know, I, I I looked back on that time with like a combo of pride and shame. And and now I look back, I'm like, man, what a great foundation, what a great chapter. What a difficult chapter would have, would have insert all of the things, all of the feelings, all of the thoughts that make up things like that. And I'm able to view it in a way and view myself in a way that's much healthier than when I was coming out of that being like, oh shit, I didn't make it as a PJ therefore I'm a failure. Um, and so I think it works, you know, it's a spectrum, right? It's not, it's not just the good things. It's not just the bad things. The, the, the way we live our lives and the content of our lives to your point are, are in seasons and it's a range of experiences and, and the, the, you know, the, what's that Bukowski quote? It's, it's cheesy, but it's like, it's not, you know, it's like how you walk through the fire. I don't know if you know what I'm, I can't remember, yeah. but whatever. It's like this, the idea of like, it, it's not what you do or did. It's kind of how you're able to do those things and how you're able to view those things and iterate and pivot on them. Yeah. And, and that's important too. Cause it's like, especially, you know, coming from my background, it's like, what, how does my skills translate directly? And the answer is they, they don't, right? Like there's no civilian Wizzo uh, position, right? Like most people are like, Oh, right. what you're going to go fly for the airlines and yada, yada. Yeah. And you know, no, like if I'm not going to go do that, then, you know, you have to look at it and say, okay, what, you know, character traits, what kind of like meta skills, not just skills, but like, the ability to, you know, learn the ability to, you know, adapt to these different things. Like those are the skills that can go to any type of job, any type of opportunity or whatever it is they're going after that are, you know, not really specific to flying in a fighter jet. Yeah. So that, that took a while to like, even have the awareness to think about it that way. Cause it was like, okay, I was a wizzo, I guess, you know, like this is what I have to do, you know, getting out. Yeah. And that's not, that's not how it is. So. Right. Like, I mean, not comparing them at all, but like I tell people in the civilian world, you know, they're, oh, you're in the military. Like, yeah, what'd you do? It's like, oh, I loaded bombs on fighter jets. They're like, man, that's the coolest thing ever. And they think it's cool. And it was cool. 
but then I start doing my job. And if I don't do my job that they've hired me to do well, and I don't give them a good experience professionally and personally in this current role that we're both in, then that experience that they thought was cool five minutes ago doesn't actually matter at all uh, because I'm not doing my job well and I'm not giving them a good personal experience. It matters a lot if I'm able to translate those experiences and those skills to build the foundation to do a good job and provide a good experience professionally and personally. So it's like this weird kind of thing where it matters and it doesn't at the same time. Yeah. And, and see, that's to, like that to me, that part of it is what I'm like trying to put into. And it's weird that I say I'm putting it into my, you know, my business, but I am because I've discovered that I don't really like, uh, sales in the, in the, the traditional sense, right? Like I'm learning to sell because you have to sell like, but at the end of the day, I'm, I would, you know, call myself much more like product driven. Mm -hmm. And so I want like, I want everything to, to work, you know, the way I want it to work and to, for everyone to have that, you know, the experience that I envision them having. And so to me, it's like, that should be, that should be all that I need to do, but it, it's also a, a knowledge or it's a belief gap, right? It's not true. Like people have, you have to sell, you have to advertise, you have to promote your stuff so that people know what you, you know, if people don't even know what you're doing, it doesn't really matter, right? You can have the greatest thing in the world. If no one knows about it, then no one's going to buy it or use it or tell other people. Uh, and so like, that is a belief in me that I had to be like, okay, you know, maybe I need to, you know, it's not, it's not just going to, post the link in my bio and, and the masses were going to come knocking at my door. So, right. My uncle was in FinTech and he, you know, scaled a business and he's, you know, he said, he says, uh, he said, you know, I did all of the things that I had to do to start the business and save as much money as I could until I didn't have to do it anymore. And then that's when I was able to pass it off to somebody else. But up until that moment, which was a great relief, I had to do everything. And like, you just have to have that mindset as an entrepreneur of, I'm going to do everything. I'm not going to be good at all of it, but I'm not going to be great at all of it, but hopefully I'm good enough at all of it that I can move this thing forward and then put some other pieces into place uh, eventually. One, yeah. One good example I heard of, of that too. And it kind of ties back to earlier when we were talking about like not taking feedback personally. It was like, uh, he said, you know, start calling uh, each of the things that you do, like the department say would be if you were a big business. Totally. It's like, why is our marketing like department suck? Who's the marketing director? Oh, that's me. Okay. You know, but, it, but if you say like the marketing sucks, not I suck or the fulfillment sucks, not the, you know, whoever, Yep. that is a different way of looking at it. That's more productive as opposed to like just constantly putting yourself down. Cause especially if it's only you, like it's, it's a lot and it's tough. And so when you put yourself down on top of that, it's like, you're, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, I think I think that's right. That's a that's a really good heuristic because um, because yeah, it, it does tie back to that uh, feedback. Like it's pre like pre, you can get ahead of that. I mean, talk about being actively engaged in feedback. Like you can get ahead of that stuff and 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 kind of pre pre assess for yourself in, internally and make sure that um, that you're disassociating in a good way. <laughs> That's dangerous though too, but, but disassociate in a good way and, and, and kind of cut yourself some slack, but also hold yourself accountable. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So kind of wrapping things up here, uh, as it is getting to be witching hour here at the house where I am. Um, 
Uh, kind of follow up with uh, or finish up with with two things first. Like where can folks find you? Where can folks find the platform? Where do you want to drive traffic? Yeah, so uh, not um, not another average Joe. So if you look, uh, it's spelled not uh, or yeah, not underscore another underscore ABG uh, underscore Joe. Uh, so if you look look me up there, and then uh, my primary website. If you're interested in in the the software, it's just called wondersystem.co dot co not dot com. Uh, if you go there, that'll uh, direct you to to whatever. Um, uh, so yeah, those are really it. I'm most mostly on Instagram still. It's just where I have the biggest following, and I just kind of stick with the one thing for now because it's only me. So I'm not trying to I can't be on all channels. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, we'll collaborate on on the posts on on uh, IG, and we'll we'll link everything out in the in the show notes and. Um, and uh, drive drive traffic there to to the website for those that want to uh, want to check it out. Um, cool. So we've been wrapping up each episode with with an open ended question: um, What's on your heart and what's on your mind for our community? Whether that's a piece of advice, something you just want to get off your chest, or something you want to reiterate from what we've talked about already today. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? Yeah. So I've thought about this each of the last couple of episodes I've listened to uh, from you. I was like, what would I? how would I answer this? Because there's right now, I think just in the place that I'm at, what I'm trying to, you know, to do, I would say that, you know, if you're, if you're trying to do something similar, you know, veteran in the entrepreneur space, um, just know, like, you know, I think it's, you have to have that attitude of like, I'm just not going to quit. And we talk about a lot of times, uh, you know, infinite versus finite games. And if you play with the perspective of like, the point of this is to just keep doing what I enjoy, then you you won't quit and then you'll win, right? Because you're never going to win in terms of like scoring the most points or whatever, like that doesn't exist. And so like, if, if you approach, if you're interested in entrepreneurship, side hustle, whatever at all, like approach it from that mindset of like, what would I do that I just wouldn't want to stop doing? Uh, or, you know, again, pivot and do something similar um, and just not quit. I think that's that's really kind of what's been weighing on me a lot lately. It's a great answer. It's a good reminder that this game is not a zero-sum game. And especially in our community, whether it's pilots or soft guys or infantry guys or wannabes like myself, you tend to have that kind of cool guy mentality and you lose the joy out of whatever it is that, that you want to do. Like say what you will about the guys over at black rifle, but every time I hear them, see them talk about it, they just get a ton of joy out of what they do every day, providing coffee and making content and Jocko in his own way, you know, Mm -hmm. you can tell that he's enjoying himself, um, you know, and, and, and with you and hopefully with me and with others like Zach Bell, veteran with the sign, same thing. Like that dude just exudes joy and has a great time working and living his life. And I think it's a really, really important reminder that if you're not enjoying what you're pursuing, then the grind is going to grind you down. Um, but if you're, if you're finding fulfillment and joy in what you're doing, again, not every moment of every day, like you said earlier, there's going to be things that you're going to have to do that you don't want to do, obviously. But if overall you're finding fulfillment and joy in what you're doing, 
then you can ignore the traditional scorecards that that everybody else is going to displace onto you. Yeah, that, yeah, that's well said. Awesome, Joey. Appreciate the time. Sure, it won't be the last time we do this, um, but uh, I appreciate you joining and coming on this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me on.